Uh, hello, uh, and welcome to the Net Politics Podcast. I'm Adam Siegel, the director of the Council on Foreign Relations Digital and Cyberspace Policy Program. Uh, and with me today are Arthi Prabhakar, the director of the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, uh, and John Launchberry, the director of the Information Innovation Office at DARPA. Thanks very much for being with me today. Thanks for having us. Hi. Arthi, I'll ask you the first question, which is, can you explain how DARPA approaches cybersecurity as, as an R&D question? Cybersecurity is one of the big ambitions that we have at DARPA. And uh, like everything else we do at DARPA, the question we're asking is not how do we make an incremental improvement? How do we, in, in the case of cybersecurity, most of what we're doing today seems like it's patch and pray and trying to scramble after the threat that's growing out ahead of us. The question we're asking is much more fundamental. What would it take to completely turn around the cybersecurity situation? How would we take whole classes of vulnerabilities off the table? How will we come up with techniques that scale faster than the threat so that we can get on with our lives and use all this valuable information? John, maybe you can point us to some of those areas that might move us away from patch and pray uh, sure. and might be the most uh, innovative. Yeah, I mean, there's there's actually a huge number, but let me just take take a couple of them. One of them that I myself worked on for a while uh, before I came to DARPA is about bringing mathematical techniques to bear. So what you do is you use math a structural mathematics to study the behavior of software, and that allows you to essentially construct a mathematical proof that says certain classes of vulnerabilities simply are not present. And we've been able to uh, take these techniques and put them inside, for example, a Boeing helicopter and fly a Boeing helicopter, which has a, a foundation of this mathematically verified software. And the red team, even with all the information about how the system is built, have found that they're unable to break through, which is what you'd hope with a mathematical proof. I mean, if you've proved Pythagoras' theorem, you would hope that you wouldn't find a triangle that doesn't satisfy Pythagoras' theorem. So it's the same with software. And, and the technology there for being able to do this kind of proof is, is growing tremendously. So let me give you one other example right at the other extreme. And in uh, Las Vegas this summer, uh, we're running uh, a big competition called the Cyber Grand Challenge. And here we've got a number of teams who are competing in a, a kind of cyber capture the flag to see how well can they break into the other computer system and how well can they defend their own system against somebody breaking in. And this is without any human beings involved at all. So the machines will be analyzing their own software, they'll be analyzing the other person's software, and they'll be playing attack and defense at cyber speeds. And it's a, a multi-round competition that they'll um, we'll see who's the winner. And what this is doing is really pushing the, the technology forward for being able to uh, produce defenses where a system might discover, hey, I've got a vulnerability. I'm going to go in and patch that vulnerability before somebody can take advantage of it. And the participants in that are from the public sector and the private sector? That's right. Universities. Well, actually, I think they're all essentially from the um, private sector, universities and companies. I guess some of the, the uh, universities are public universities. And I, I, we've been having a kind of running debate and a series of meetings we've had at the council about are we going to reach an inflection point uh, on the technological side that defense will finally have the advantage over the offense? Is that a realistic goal or is that something that we're shooting for or... I didn't prime you with this, yeah. but one of the things that I've been saying recently is exactly that, too. 
Um, I think things have changed dramatically over the last five years as industry, government, and research has has, uh, really applied itself to this problem. It used to be the case that we were completely overwhelmed. We had no idea what to do. The threat was diverging away from the responses. It was uh, easy to come up with a new threat and really expensive to defend against it. But now when you look at the changes that have happened in the last few years, it's quite profound. Where's your spam I mean, that, that's gone, pretty much. When was the last time you got a virus? I was looking at online recently for uh, reports about ransomware on Windows 10, and there were a number of headlines, ransomware on Windows 10. They were all about people who were upgrading from Windows 9 to Windows 10 got suckered in to loading ransomware, thinking it was an update patch. So as far as I know, there's been no reports of something like Windows 10 subject to ransomware. Uh, The iPad and the iPhone, tremendously good platforms. Even the recent information that, that has suggested things like a huge breach in the App Store, where there was some malware got into the App Store, and the news reports were saying potentially could affect 100 million, 200 million users. In practice, it it affected 25,000 users, which sounds a lot, but that's 0.01% of users. So it's a really tiny proportion. And I think it's a credit to companies like Apple and Google and Microsoft and and many others to uh, see how they've taken this seriously and been able to apply these kind of techniques in that domain. That's not to say that we're done, because we still have all the big data breaches that, that we hear about. But there is a lot of technology already in play. There's a lot more technology coming down the pike. And it's the responsibility of companies to, to take the cyber threat seriously and, and apply this technology. So I think we're really in the fight now. We're not yet winning, but, but it, the potential is there. One of the characteristics of the moving forward seems to be that there is a growing divide between the government and the private sector. You know, the the sharpest manifestation of it seems to be the debate over encryption and the the struggle between the FBI and and Apple. We've seen Secretary Carter speak a lot about reaching out to the Valley and the private sector and the use of uh, DOIX and and, and other mechanisms for that. Can you speak a little bit about what role DARPA might play in in bridging that gap? Absolutely. The the conflicts that you're describing are, I think, are some very substantial issues about business and policy. It's actually a very different story on the technology side. And if you think about what John just said about what the companies are doing today that is lifting the level of cybersecurity to a place where we can get on with our lives, the technologies that they are drawing from to do that, a lot of that is turned into product in those companies. But they're drawing on a research base that DARPA and others from the public sector, of course, have funded. A very specific example would be address space layout randomization, which is a cybersecurity technique that dates back you know, many years in basic research. DARPA was a, a part of building that research capability, that's one of the tools that's being used now to give this level of cybersecurity in the products that we're all using by these companies. And and that, um, that really vibrant ecosystem of technology where, as always, the public dollar is investing in research and working with universities, often working with companies as well. In the DARPA case, of course, we're doing that ultimately for national security purposes. But that foundation is so critical then to the advances on the commercial side. Then in turn, we, in DOD, for example, we buy those products. That's part of how we're going to elevate our cybersecurity. The other dimension of what DARPA often does is is think through in a very deep way how we bring those kinds of security 
security capabilities to the non-commercial technologies. If you think about the business of warfighting, there isn't a DOD system that doesn't have an incredible dependence on embedded processors and networks and communications. All of those are systems that too that that also need the kind of protections that we're talking about here. So you'll see this this flow of technology from public and private sector back and forth. And I think one of the reasons that DARPA has been able to be so successful over many many decades is the fact that we're not a laboratory. We bring amazing people like John in for tours of duty from the technical community. But the work that that our program managers and our office leaders, the work that they dream up that we, we think could make big advances is actually all done in the broad technology community. And that means universities of all types. It means small companies and large companies. It means commercial companies and defense companies. Thanks very much, both of you, for being here. We really enjoyed it today. Thank you're, you. You're welcome.